Bless you. You can. Praise God. Go ahead. Clap your hands. I mean, I just, I, you can. If you do not have a handout, we have some here. Uh, and so you can just come right up. Don't be shy and get your handout. Um, when we talked about doing this, we were very excited to have dear young married couple come. I'm talking about brother Adam and sister Chris King, uh, come and do something that was a focus on parenting, mainly because we have a lot of uh, families and couples and children. Not only that, but also because we live in a really crazy culture right now. It's almost like, uh, an insane asylum where the lunatics are running it. <laughs> it is absolutely mind-boggling. It really is. And there is a culture war going on. And the target of that is children. And it's a very early age that they're going after children because they know if they can get a hook in them when they are young, then they have done their due diligence and their job of influencing them later in life. I think it's Brother John Darman telling me that he ran into a lady at Floyd's, which is right down here, and was talking to her, and I don't even know how a conversation like that comes up. I guess I'd have to ask you how that came up, but the clerk was frustrated and upset because her daughter came home and said that she was gay. And then when she tried to ask her what that even meant, she didn't even know what that meant. She had no idea what that meant, but this is something that is constantly being pushed and promoted. And so I think she was asking about high school and school um, and, and what to do and a lot of other questions that caught Brother John Darman a little flat-footed because that's not typically what you're talking about when you're buying a screwdriver or a wrench or something like that. But, but I mean, it is an example, right, of people that are not church. They're, they're, they may be unbelievers, but they themselves are still trying to grapple with all of this. So how do we as a church deal with some of that? And I think this is one of the sessions that's probably uh, the most weighty in the minds of some of you here is how do we uh, chart our course through all of that? And so... Uh, we have some very, very special people to help us through that. Amen. And we have Sister Karina with us here. And I didn't realize what her qualifications uh, were, but you're going to be very, very blessed here tonight. And we are to have them. So let's put our hands together and welcome them. Amen. Praise God. God bless you all. We love you very, very much. Come right on. Man, well, it's good to be here again, and I'm thankful all of you showed up again. That says something. <laughs> so today, we're talking about a very, very important subject, and we're thankful to be doing it with Karina. If you can't tell, they're related. <laughs> we're very grateful that all of you showed up tonight to invest in your marriage, in your family, and in the future of your children. And so we give kudos to you. Let's just give all of you a hand for showing up tonight. And like Pastor Bradford said, this is a weighty subject for most. Um, and we'll talk more about why it's such a weighty subject. 
Um, I'm really grateful that the Bradfords see the value in having um, a whole night dedicated to sexuality discipleship. Um, you can't say that of all pastors. And so True. thank you so much, you guys, for seeing the need for this. And we pray that it pays dividends for um, the next generation and beyond. So thank you. We love you guys. Um, we want to uh, introduce Karina to you guys tonight. Many of you know her already, but Karina um, has a bachelor's in biology and a master's in biology and education. And she um, has been teaching for the last decade in the public school system and very recently um, came on at our uh, private Christian school at the Rock Church as the principal and biology teacher. And I would say she's doing an incredible job at, at the school and and. Yeah, everyone says that too. So it's yes, it's unanimous. So we're grateful she's with us today, and she's actually going to kick this off. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, and so, like they said, I've I've been teaching um, for almost a decade now, and um, been in the public school system, so I know what it's like out there. And I want to share a story with you. And you know, unfortunately. It's a, it's a shame that we have to kick off with this weighty news that I'm going to share with you, but it's important to kick off with this because it's the whole reason that we're here tonight, and it shows the importance of what you are doing, and I want to echo what they said, and I just want to applaud all of you for being intentional with your children because the world is being intentional with our children, and so if the world is, how much more do we need to be, and that's, that's really why we're here tonight is um, to help you and come alongside you with that. So I do want to share a story that's recently hit the news. And um, we saw here that, I'll give you some background information on this, but you can see the headlines here. Parents are outraged by mandatory school assembly that included drag queen performance. Raise your hand if you saw this in the news lately. Okay, yeah, so this is very disturbing. And when I saw this, I was disturbed as well. So here's some background information. Every year, this school has a multicultural assembly, which sounds amazing. We want our kids to, to learn about this. We want them to be versed in diversity and, and learn multiculturalism. So the school has a multicultural assembly, and they send an email out to parents notifying them of the assembly and let them know this assembly is mandatory. Please do not pull your children out early. Um, if you pull your children out early, it will not be excused. And usually in past years when they've sent this email out, they send out also an agenda along with it. That was not the case this year. They did not send an agenda out showing the parents what would be in, at the assembly. There were a lot of wonderful things at this assembly, showing culture and celebrating it. And the, unfortunately, the very last show in the assembly was a drag queen show put on by the students. We're talking about 14, 15, 16-year-old boys putting on this drag queen show sexualizing their bodies and who they are. They put it on for the students. Some students tried to leave and they were blocked at the doors. Some students were cheering them on. This is scary. This is scary when you hear about these things in the news, but what made me even more scared was that this school was a school that I taught at for six years. Some of these students are my students that I taught. And I was just devastated to hear this. I, it's heartbreaking. As a parent, we, we see this, and, and the parents were outraged. There was a board meeting after this. So many parents came to the board meeting just outraged about it, right? And not only were they outraged about this, but at the same time, the school board is trying to put forth a curriculum for elementary students. Within that curriculum, 
topics such as transgenderism. And one of the meetings, because by law they have to put forth the curriculum for parents to view, one of the um, meetings for which the parents could view this curriculum was set after the approval date for the curriculum. So they don't really care what the parents have to say. They're gonna approve or not approve the curriculum. They don't, they don't really care about the parents' input. And so I know that some of us are thinking, this is horrible, and this is exactly why my kids are not going to public school, right? I'm not gonna put them in this, and, and this is exactly why. And, and good for you if you can homeschool your kids or you can put them in a private school, that's amazing. But I wanna share another story, because we can think we can do everything in our power to shield our kids from being exposed to things like this. But another story I have is that um, one of my parents um, that goes, uh, their kids attend our school, she was very vulnerable with me and she shared a story that her son was exposed to pornography during prayer time at their apostolic school at a pew. So the lights are dim, they're supposed to be praying. One of the students had a cell phone, pulled it out. And her son at, I wanna say nine years old, was exposed to pornography in a church, in a pew, at an apostolic private school. So we can do everything. We can think we're, we're making all the right moves to shield our kids from these situations, and yet they're still gonna be exposed because the world is so intentional about it. Was the kid who, who showed the cell phone to the other kid, was that a bad kid? Probably not. He probably came upon it by accident. But it's happening. And there are other stories out there. And so you might think, man, I will shield my kid from even going to a private Christian school and I will just homeschool them. And I wanna share this story with you. Just a couple of months ago, I was talking with a client, an apostolic client who homeschools her two children and her daughter, 11 years old, for the last month prior to this session that she was talking with me, had been using the homeschool computer in the family living room to view pornography for the past month. Thankfully, the mom woke up in the middle of the night, felt prompted by the Holy Ghost to go check things and found out what had been happening. Um, but we think we can shield our kids. And unfortunately, we can't quite shield them all the way. That's the reality. It's no longer a matter of if my child will see sexual dysfunction displayed somewhere in community or at school or even through something that they see at home but it's a matter of when they will be exposed. So how are we equipping them? And we know that pornography is one of the most addictive substances out there, or behaviors. Um, so just to give you guys insight, uh, just recently, um, I have an Instagram account and uh, for a long time, you know, you just don't go to the homepage, right? Like on the homepage, you have a whole bunch of weird stuff, but you just don't go to the homepage. You can you know, stay on your feed. So I stay on my feed and, you know, stay in my lane. I'm connected to like friends and golfing and then golfing and then more friends. It's pretty much it, you know, like, and maybe some like encouragement and leadership stuff. So I've really curated my feed. I'm very careful. I don't go anywhere else. I don't surf, hash, uh, surf hashtags or anything. So the other day, we're driving around in Texas doing seminars, and um, pornography, straight-up pornography, pops up into my feed. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I hand it over to my wife. This, this actually wasn't the first time. It was like the third time. 
I talked to my accountability partner about this. By the way, everyone should have a prayer partner and accountability partner because we don't beat pornography alone. I've never seen that in all the years of me working with men, never seen that happen. We have to do it in community. Side note. So I told my accountability partner, he's like, okay, yeah, man, I'm crazy, you know? So finally it happened. Chris is like, are you serious? You know, I hand it to her. She's looking at it. And she says, okay. So we report it, right? Report it. And then you know what happened? We reported it as pornography. And then it, I've never seen this little menu. This is new, I guess. But it says, would you like to see, what, what is it? Would saying? you like to see a normal amount of explicit material? Normal amount. Less explicit material or more explicit material. Not none. You could see less normal or more. So here I am staying in my lane, trying to be holy. And if I don't have an accountability partner outside and an open, very open communication about what's out there with my wife, what happens to the young boy who's never been discipled about what he's gonna see. So we've begun taking the tact. So we do a lot of premarital counseling. And the way we approach this now is we don't ask if the couple has been exposed to pornography. We just say, what's your exposure been like to a pornography? We've never had anyone say, nope, none. We haven't had any. We always have people, yep, this and this, and I struggled for years, and I had, you know, like, we always have a story behind it. So now as Watchmen on the Wall and having dealt with so many cases like this, we started asking, what do we do about this? What do we do? We know you love your kids. We know we need to protect the minds of our children. But I don't think in this age of connectivity, it's possible for us to... to shut down the walls and, and shut off all the lines to the outside world just because we can't live in a bubble anymore. We are connected to the world. So how do we live in the world but not be a part of the world? And that's what we want to talk about today. How do we inoculate our kids against what the world is going to try to infect us with? We know it's starting younger and younger. We know that the world wants to push their agenda very young, but how young? Well, let's look at what happened at Boston Children's Hospital. This year, they started doing gender reassignment surgery as early as age three. If you guys are wondering about all this, a great documentary, I don't know if you've seen it by Matt Walsh, called What is a Woman? Have you seen that? It will blow your mind that this is even a debate I guess it is, <laughs> but it highlights just how radical our world is becoming in their agenda to really mar our kids. And so when we see this, we ask ourselves, okay, so did I have to deal with this when I was a young person growing up in my home? And if I did, what was the attitude? What, what did my parents do to help me through things like this? I don't think they were doing gender reassignment at age three when we were kids, but it was still out there, right? And so when we ask ourselves, 
what was the attitude around sex in my household growing up in sexuality? And so that's what we wanna ask you tonight because we, we often draw on our own experiences and that helps us sometimes um, either we don't wanna do what our parents did or we do wanna do what our parents did or we wanna mix it up and mash it up. And so we're gonna ask you that tonight. We have a QR code that we're gonna display here and go ahead and scan that QR code and we wanna know what was the attitude around sex in your household growing up? And there are four options and you can read those options there and we're gonna display the results. Now we have our prediction. We've done this a lot of different places. We'll tell you what that is. If anyone can't, we can bring the QR code around. Yes, just one just question. One question. <clears throat> and it is anonymous. We won't know your answer. We won't know who it was. <laughs> Anyone else need the QR code? Does everybody, does everybody have it? Oh, back here, sis. Right over here. Awesome. So we're collecting those right now. Do you want to? Can we go ahead and display that the graph? As the answers are coming. Or the, in. as the answers are coming in, the pie chart. So these are your answers. <laughs> Digital shaming. <laughs> it's fine. That happened actually at one of the others. No, I said that. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, here we go. Can we blow that up a little bit? So these are your answers coming in live. So it looks typical. Yes, <laughs> this is so weird. It's so weird how surveys work. So you wanna break it down? We've done this survey uh, five times at this point and um, with as few as like 30 something people and as many as uh, maybe a thousand people. And every single time, the numbers are almost identical to the numbers you're, you saw, that you're seeing. Um, so it's always somewhere in the range of 50%. You're seeing 47.9% of silence altogether. So that's the blue up there, 47.9% of just silence. No, so we didn't no talk talking. about sex growing up, nothing. All right, so the next one is uh, the red, the 26%, said, I had the talk, and that's all. Pretty awkward. Who had the talk? That was me. My dad's like, we sat down at Labu. We actually stayed in the car because, God forbid, we talk about sex inside. And I remember talking, super awkward talk. We're not even looking at each other. I'm like, 
he finished the talk and he was like, yeah, but just don't think about it. I'm like, <laughs> and I literally remember, I remember there was a UPS truck driving by. I saw UPS, I'm like, okay, think about UPS. <laughs> so sorry, Tyler. <laughs> but that was, that was what I got, that one talk, and it was too late. 14, I think. Yeah. I had a lot of embarrassment already that my friends knew stuff I didn't, so I asked them questions, right? And they were laughing about stuff. I'm like, what are we laughing about? That was happening at, like, church functions, actually PSR. So, <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> but this is the reality of things. This is the reality. Okay, next one. Okay, the next one. Sex is bad, just don't do it. Like, probably this emphasis on sin. Um, we'll talk about it, but only in a very negative context. Um, so somewhere in the range of 10 to 15% usually. And so that, that one is in the yellow you see up there. And then the last one. Sex is a good gift from God to be celebrated and experienced in the covenant of marriage. Generally, that's somewhere in the range of 9%. And this is actually the highest we've seen This is it. very high, yeah. 16%. Yeah. So we are seeing that the world is screaming loud and clear about their message of sexuality for our children. And yet the church and our homes are largely, what is the blue? Silent or harmful, you know, connotations and negative teaching. Yeah. So that is why we submit that we ought not focus on having the talk because it's not very effective. We ought not focus on uh, trying to eliminate discussion altogether, but our proposal is that we need to be having talks, plural, with our children throughout their entire lives, beginning as early as they can talk. And so that's why we dubbed this phrase having the talks with a big S. And <clears throat> we talk about doing that as early as age three, but I mean, with our children, we started at too, when they were talking. Oh, when you think about it, right, they are exposed to the idea of sexuality ever since they can uh, idealize their own body, right? So when they start recognizing body parts, that's when they are having these ideas in their mind. Not talking about sex in, in the idea of intercourse, right, but sex as in sexuality, who am I? Am I a boy, am I a girl, right? And so we need Clearly, the world's confusing them on this, right? So we, as the parents, need to set the record straight early and often. And when you have these talks multiple times, when the opportunity arises, so sometimes it'll come up naturally, right? I mean, how many of you, your kids have ever asked you or said, you know, where, where do babies come from? Or how did brother get here? How did sister get here? Who's ever had that happen to them? My, my daughter, yeah, okay. So that right there, very great opportunity to start letting them know where do babies come from. In fact, we have a great opportunity that's coming up Sunday. What's Sunday? Easter. And you're like, wait, what? Easter? What, what are you talking about? Right? So sometimes the opportunities will be very evident, like when they're asking where babies come from. Sometimes we have to be intentional, intentional about how am I going to talk to them about this? And so with Easter, um, obviously, we're celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but also, 
we, um, we, some of us might um, be letting our kids do Easter egg hunts, yeah? And so with the idea of Easter eggs, you can talk about eggs. Okay, well, you can still talk about eggs. Kids are going to see eggs, right? And so eggs, um, so that you can start bringing up the conversation of from eggs come life, right? And so we see, we see chicks come out of eggs. And so you're not directly telling them, explaining to them uh, the whole idea and process of how an egg meets sperm at age three, right? That's a later talk for when they're older. But at age three, you can start talking about, to them about how life comes from eggs, right? Same idea with springtime in general. We see so much growth in spring from seeds. And so you start talking to them about how seeds bring life. And so it's these conversations early, right? That's not scary. You can talk to your kids about how seeds bring life. But when you are intentional about that, then later on, as they get older, you can start talking about the seeds of the human body, right? And how they bring life. And it's going to become natural and not awkward because you've been having these conversations as early as age three. So a motto that we want you to really capture tonight is that we need to be having the talks early and often, early and often. So that's going to look different for each family. What is often? Is it every single day? Maybe not. Maybe for some children who are super curious, you might be having talks pretty often, maybe several times a week. Um, But for others, maybe less. Some kids are less curious than others. Karina and I grew up um, where I was much more curious, and so I asked lots and lots of questions. And for Karina, she wasn't as curious, so my mom would say something like, Karina, do you have any questions about this? And then she could ask questions or not, but my mom would kind of prompt her to ask more questions. And that's okay. You can do that too if your kids aren't asking more questions. Um, But we we want you guys, and we have a little visual up there, but early and often, be having those talks early and often. So is there a biblical foundation for having the talks? Is there? Everything is about discipleship. And I've given a lot of thought to this. Um, You know, it's interesting. We feel free to disciple our kids in money and what they should wear, what they should do. But one of the biggest tools that God or that the devil derails our kids is through sexuality. And if we haven't done a great job of teaching them the beauty of sexuality, and why give God, why give the devil credit for something so beautiful? Like we've allowed the world to reframe the truth of the gift of God that He's given us. Every good and perfect gift coming from the Father above. I can go so deep into, I mean, all of, all the beauty of what God has given us through sex. I mean, he could have made, he could have made food not taste, right? Just make sure that you eat your carrot every day, (laughs) whatever that is. Eat, eat your cucumbers and broccoli and, you know, like just eat and made it not taste, but he gave us some amazing food. I don't know if you guys like food, but I really do. It's good. But I like sex too, right? He made me with the ability to enjoy something beautiful that he gave me, just like food. He could have made no no taste buds. He could have, you see what I'm saying? So he developed us to love this beautiful thing that's so connecting that nothing else, that I can enjoy this thing with nothing, no one else that bonds us together. And so 
seen through that lens, we could start to accept that God really had a beautiful thing for us to enjoy within the sanctity of marriage that the world is desperately trying to destroy. Because if he destroys the marriage and he destroys the family unit, he destroys the church. And so we have to protect this thing, but how do we protect it if we don't teach on it and instruct? The, the Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That, that word there is train. Guys, if we're trying to work out, do we go once to the gym? I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> I would love that, you know, like six-pack abs, you know, pow. <laughs> once a week, that's it, or once a month, you know. But no, we have to go and train, and there's learning involved in training, and there's strain, and there's so much effort that goes into this, and after a while, we see the result. So with this, if we don't train our ch ch children in the way they should go, there's nowhere for them to depart from. There's only somewhere for them to go to. And whatever looks more enticing, they'll do. So how do we elaborate on the beauty of what God has given us, but also give them a realistic look at here are the dangers too, and train them to walk that delicate line and make us a safe place for them to get instruction from? We all know that the Song of Solomon is a book about intimacy, and so you probably expect that we'll be talking about the Song of Solomon, but we're not actually going to dive too deeply into any particular scriptures. But what I do want to share with you, something I actually learned in the last couple of years in studying for my dissertation, is that when you see the headers in the Song of Solomon where it says the woman and the man, or it'll say the king and the Shulamite woman, different translations will have different headers to tell you who's speaking. You also have the friends or the daughters of Zion. You guys have seen those headers in your translations? Okay. You guys been reading Song of Solomon? <laughs> <laughs> so some people are like, who are these people? Who are the friends, right? If you study it deeply, we actually come to find out that the friends are mentees of the woman. And so the woman is engaging in this Hebrew poetry, expressing her affection for her lover, and she's also mentoring young women. And she gives them lots of guidance on how amazing and beautiful this gift of sex is, but also gives them some warnings. It's a really great book to model what sexuality discipleship could look like. And so that's one area that we wanted to highlight in terms of what we see in scripture about sexuality discipleship. Um, also, just in terms of um, biblical history or um, history of the church, we go back to uh, intertestamental period in first century Judaism. And we see that their weddings were much like our weddings on the first day, but they had multiple day festivals. So they would go on for several days, and each day had a different ceremony. But their first day, it looked similar to ours, where they would exchange vows. But here's something that's not so similar to ours. They would go to the reception, what was like a reception. And in the middle of the reception, with everyone around celebrating and eating, there was a bridal chamber. And it you know, had all these tapestries around it, and it was beautiful, and it was private. It was, the 
the tapestries were there to make sure that everything was concealed. But guess what happened in this bridal chamber? Consummation. So the bride and groom would enter the bridal chamber at the ceremony, at the reception. And what do you think three-year-old little Johnny here asks mommy and daddy? What are they doing in there? Why are they going in there? So I'm sure they don't dive into a big uh, explanation of intercourse with a three-year-old. But what do you think they said? Do you think they said, don't ask that. That's terrible. No, I imagine they said something like, they're going in there to celebrate their wedding. They're married now and they get to have private time together. Isn't that awesome? So we are establishing a new movement in the apostolic movement. <laughs> We're gonna call it the wedding tent movement. No, but real life story here and modern day, this just happened. So um, yeah, we're, we're pulling out today, this happened. We're pulling out of the church here today to go to lunch. I have the petition right here. <laughs> no one's signing that. Uh, so we're pulling out of the church and um, the kids recognize, oh, I've been here before. And my daughter, Everly, she says, this is where Tyler and Tony's wedding was. And I was like, yes. And I think Adeline or Forrest, one of them says, and they drove away in a car. And we're like, yeah. And then one of them says, where do they go? And Krista says, well, they went to their honeymoon. And of course, what's a honeymoon? And so Krista so eloquently says, a honeymoon is where the bride and groom get to go celebrate that they got married and they get private time together. And isn't that awesome? And Adeline goes, yeah, and they already did that. <laughs> and we're like, yes, they did. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just, it's these little conversations that we're looking for, these opportunities just to show them to celebrate marriage and to celebrate the fact that now you're married and you get to celebrate each other and love each other. And it's beautiful. And that's how God intended it. And so another one of, another scripture that, that we bring up here when we're talking about how we should train up a child is uh, Deuteronomy 6, 7, right? And this is where it says here, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. I mean, how many of you have quoted this scripture before? Yeah, okay, I read the scripture before, right? And so we don't normally think about the scripture um, of like we should be talking to our kids about sexuality, but we can apply this here because if you think, right, that they're, they're not going to be learning, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, just one day, we're gonna tell them, right, and that's it. We have to be talking about that every day almost, right? And every opportunity that we get, and it says here, diligently, Right? We have to look for those opportunities. The Lord instructs us on that. When we're sitting down, when we're, when we're going to sleep, when we're waking up in the morning, when we go down to, um, or when we go to eat dinner, breakfast. And so the same is true when we're discipling our children around sexuality. Look for those opportunities in the car, right? Just like we were when we were driving out here. Um, when you pick them up from school, you know, we ask questions, how was your day? And those are good questions to ask your children and they spark conversation. But we can be even more pointed about it, right? And we can say, um, so what did you and your friends talk about today, right? And that gets them talking about what them and their friends talked about. What did you guys do today? Did you learn anything new? Did you learn anything new with your friends? Not just with your teachers, right? And so when we intentionally have these conversations and we're having them all the time as the Lord instructs us to do, this is what creates an askable parent. And I know we 
discussed that last night, but this is part of being an askable parent. When you create that atmosphere in your home, then your kids want to come to you and ask you the questions instead of going to Google or their friends. So we have a question for you. We got tons more stories. <laughs> but what is the benefits to risk ratio, you think? Like, what is, what, let's start with the risk. What is the risk for us having early and often conversations? Let, let's just hear it. Some, this is a question. I'm not just what are you hypothetically about? asking. What is the nervousness? Yeah, maybe the information is too early. Good. <laughs> You're going to be a nun. Guess what? She's not going to be a nun. Yeah, that's good. So, so where did you learn that only the woman, the wife, can talk to your daughter? Well, you're the father. You're the father, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm hearing here is that there may be, uh, you may be uncomfortable, maybe because you yeah. don't, you feel like um, not qualified to speak to your daughter about certain subjects, maybe? Is, am I hearing you right? I think it's always been done that way, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, discomfort. But what's interesting is, I mean, how often for a young girl, and I don't know how old she is, but 15, okay, she's starting to look at boys. She's been looking at boys. She's been looking at boys. I teach middle school. She's been looking at boys. So, I mean, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what kind of guy she needs to be looking for. I'm talking about my daughter now, right? I want to train her up because I'm going to have insights that my wife might not. And I'm going to have opportunities that she won't be there for. I'm not saying what you need to say, but I'm, I'm challenging you just to say, because that's how, that's how I think culture has done. I, okay, let me give you a story. This is funny. So I'm, uh, I take Adeline, and Adeline is our very, um, not sexual, but just very aware of differences between men and women and wants keen to point those out. And so... Uh, Chris is having a birthday, and I take Adeline to Coles with me. You know, we walk in the door, and Adeline's, I think, like two, maybe going on three. Walk through the doors. We're going over here to look at the girl stuff, right? Looking for, for some for a birthday present for Chris. That's why she's not there. And she walks up, you know, and it's pretty busy too. 
And I walk over, and she runs off from my side. I'm like, hey, where are you going, sort of thing. I just kind of look over, and she jumps up on the pedestal where the mannequin is. And we're in the guy section. She jumps up on the pedestal, and she says, Daddy, look, I'm touching his penis. I went. I saw some ladies walking next to us, and they, like, both went, poof. <laughs> like, so was that awkward? Yes, that was awkward for me. But here's, here's what we've never, we've never called them random names. You've always told them, I mean, when's the last time you learned, like, when did you learn what this was, an elbow? Do you remember having the talk about what an elbow was? Yeah, head and shoulders, knee and toes, yeah. We learned that right away. But we kind of remember having to talk about what our private parts are like. It's not called a tutu, right? But what does that teach our kids? We can't say, ooh, don't talk. And what if someone touches your kids and we don't know how, they don't know how to communicate to us what happened? Yes. No, it is. It's crazy. <laughs> yes. That's what we're saying. They're going to think I'm a pervert. That's, that was my first thought. That's it. That's it. And so I had a talk with my daughter. I said, honey, <laughs> I'm so thankful that you know the body parts. And I'm excited to be with you too. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. But when we're in public, we don't say... We don't talk about our private parts very loudly in, in a public place. But if, we need, if you want to have questions from me, I'm, I would be happy to talk to you about, about these things. You know, so I'm starting to give parameters for where we talk, what's proper. But I've never hidden shame of saying, we don't talk about this at all. This is off limits. Oh, my, and react. Don't say that. Right? Because I'm not wanting to communicate that this is a shameful thing. This is a beautiful thing that God has created in me and, and on men. And women have a, their own beautiful creation, and we celebrate that. But we start to get parameters of where we talk about this. And that's discipleship. And containment. Yes. So that would be a risk, right? Embarrassment. Okay, that's, so that's a risk. But it's my embarrassment, Right? Is it selfish that I don't share things that maybe could protect them later because of my own embarrassment? And, and maybe cultural norms too. Like I wasn't taught this stuff, so it was kind of weird thinking through this stuff. But I think it's worth thinking through. And I hope we're just challenging you to think, because we can't tell you, you need to do it this way. But we're challenging you, think through it. What is the risk here?
That's good. That's a risk. Yeah. And so that's why we're, we're doing this. We're counting the costs. There are risks involved. And that's why containment boundaries are really important in this conversation. They're not always going to uphold the boundaries, but we have to let them know when it's appropriate to talk about it and, and that we don't teach our friends about sexuality. You know, those are conversations you have with mommy and daddy. Yeah, just like any behavior, right? We don't throw ourselves on the floor at Walmart. You know, like, <laughs> not the place. Neither at home either, you know. But yes, that is a, that is a risk. But that's training, constant training of where is appropriate. You know, like, where do we do these things? Where do we talk about these things? That's all a part of training. Yeah, good. Any other risks that are going through your mind? I think embarrassment is a huge one. Yeah. Um, there's been plenty of times where I've been embarrassed. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> one comes to mind. We're shopping in the grocery store, Costco probably, and um, passing by feminine products. And everybody says, Mommy, you need tampons? And I'm like, no, I do not. Thank you so much, right? <laughs> and so that's super embarrassing, the people around, right? Um, and so that's a risk that, that I took, you know, that the fact that she knows what they are and she knows what they're used for. Because here's what could happen, right? She sees um, feminine products in my bathroom. And she says, what are these? And I could be like, stop, put the, don't touch those. You'll find out when you're older. Right? And then, well, that sparks curiosity for sure. So then they're digging through the cabinets trying to figure out what these things are, right? Um, not at age five, but maybe a little bit older, asking your friends, hey, do you know what these are? You know, my, my parents won't tell me. Or the idea that these are bad things that my mom is using, right? Instead of just letting them know what they're used for and that it's a natural cycle of a woman, right? That's so good. I remember asking a friend of something that, that, I thought I should have known, but I was really confused. I asked my friend, what is this? He's like, you don't know? Well, what did that cause in me? I had shame, like, oof. And I didn't feel the freedom to go to my parents because we hadn't had talked, right? And so I'm like caught in this, oof. Yeah, yeah I totally acted like, oh yeah, of course, thanks. <laughs> yeah. But what does that do that makes even further recoil, but also tons of curiosity around this. So it sh further shames into this whole like story. So yeah, that's a, so let's flip it now. What are the, what are the risks of not talking to our kids and being silent? Yeah. yeah I think we're taping this, right? So just so we could hear out. They'll just look for it elsewhere and then maybe find something that uh, is bad and it's not describing it in the good way it should be described or taught. It could lead to, depending what it is, it could lead to even worse things or explain it to someone else in a bad way. So now you're spreading something bad to someone else instead of spreading the good of what it could be. Anyone else? Risks of not having the talks early and often. Yeah. For Christians getting an unhealthy version of what kids learn on TV or movies, and so they get a twisted view of what it is when that's not really what it should be. Right. Assuming kids talk to each other. <laughs> and they do. Yeah, I mean, 
Did that happen for any of you? Or like, am I the only one here? We have friends? Wow, everybody's uncomfortable, huh? Like, don't raise your hand. Yeah. The, when I found out the talk was very awkward and <clears throat> the language that was being used was not the language that I understood. It was clinical. It was just painful. <laughs> uh, and I had already heard everything that you could imagine, but I heard it all from the wrong sources in junior high and stuff that kids were bringing and passing around and talking about, and it was terrible. So when the actual talk happened, oh, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard, and I, I tried to just, like, close in on myself so I could disappear, but I couldn't disappear. So I, I think that's um, what some of you parents are really, really concerned about is if I'm not the one doing the influencing, and that's the benefit, there are some risks, but if I'm not the one doing it, who is? And that's what is, uh, that's pretty frightening. Here's another one. So the risk of not is not empowering your child to combat what they get at elementary school when that kid pulls out that device and says, oh, here you go. They have a recognition of that's not the way that God intended it to be. And the story of that is we've got a friend of mine, second grader, and they put a veil on the girl at school, and then they're trying to put a veil on her, and she's like, no, two girls cannot get married. This is a seven-year-old. And then the people, the other kids are like, oh, no, they can get married. She has two mommies, and she has two mommies. But the seven-year-old has the biblical understanding that, no, marriage is a male and a female. So, so good. It was teaching involved in that. Training, yeah. Yeah, good. Because had there not been teaching, then maybe she would have been silent or been like, oh, okay, I guess they can, right? But her parents knowing that she may encounter this, had talks with her, right? And so she felt strong and bold to be able to say, two girls can't get married. That has to be a boy and a girl. They, they were. They were a part of, um, and we'll talk about this later, but they, they were part of the beta program for our having the talks deck, and they, they had done these cards, these conversation starters with their children. And this is a perfect example of, of why. So good. Any other things that you guys can think of? Yes. I might be a little bit off, but um, the risk of not is your child not having the education to be able to um, fight against or understand someone grooming or sexual abuse. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yep. I've worked with a lot of people like that, and my wife has worked with more. That's a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. We actually had um, a family that was part of our beta testing um, group for the Having the Talks program, and they got very, really vulnerable in their feedback on video, and they shared and said, our daughter was sexually abused, and we didn't teach our daughter anything. We didn't teach her anatomically correct parts. She didn't know how to communicate that to us. She was seven at the time, and she was crying as she said, I wish we had Having the Talks earlier because it could have prevented it. Yeah, so absolutely the case. 
So just so you know, having the talks is the card deck we have up here. And this whole seminar is to sell these. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> we want to let you guys know, like, we created the product to fit the need. I mean, um, I'll just tell you what it is. We're, we're, the most, we're the worst at selling our own products. But we did it in order to help parents because, like, what do we talk about? How do we bring this stuff up? And so what we, we found, well, we had uh, expectations, realizations, foundations. We're helping married couples. We're like, well, what if we do this for kids? Because it can organically bring up a conversation that both parties really want to learn. And so on one side of the card, it's, it's the caterpillar side. The caterpillar side is for three and young, or what? Were, well, it's just younger, so whatever yeah. the parent decides is younger. It's up for the parents' discretion. And then you flip that over to the butterfly side, and it's an older version of that same question. So it can fit. And we did this just to help parents, like, hey, let's look through the deck, and what, what questions do you have? Let's stimulate deep conversations and start the, the discipleship process. Because a lot of parents just don't know where to start. Um, it's a hard conversation, especially if we haven't had the discipleship ourselves. So just to give you guys, we could keep talking about the talks. That's what it is. Um, and this is not to push a product, but it's a really good product. Okay, fine. <laughs> and one point I want to bring out about the card deck, um, we really, you know, took time to think about, like, well, where does this start? And how do we start these questions? And so what we decided is that it really all boils down to identity. And the world is confused about their identity. And the news and the media are, is trying to tell the world and tell our children who they are and who they're not, right? And so this is where we started the card deck is identity. And where is your identity? And guess what? Our identity is found in Christ. And if the kids can understand that you have a purpose and you were called for a specific purpose and you were designed by God and in his image, then they can be confident in the fact that their identity is found in Christ and they don't have to look for it anywhere else. And of course, there are other things that, you know, we would identify, I, was, I would identify as a mom, as a woman. But first and foremost, your identity is in Christ. And so every other question that springs from the deck is really founded upon that principle. There's a whole first section on identity. We want you guys to ask yourself this question. What do you wish you would have known growing up? What experience do you wish you would have had? around sexuality discipleship. You probably had purity talks, um, maybe through youth group, maybe you were taught prohibitions and permissions, like what's okay and what's not okay, but what was missing from that? And I think in a lot of situations, especially in the church, what's missing from that is the celebration of sex and sexuality, because the world celebrates it. So I think the church is like, knee-jerk response to that is, oh no, we're not gonna celebrate that, right? Um, but we see it being celebrated in scripture. And so- And celebrations, by the way, are really attractive, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to show up to the party. But when you say, oh, don't go to the party. No, no, no. Like, it just creates more of a desire. Right. But really, we have truth. We know that the party is actually what we have here we know that their party is just going to end with destruction. Yeah. Our party actually lasts forever. Yeah. We have the ability to really shape the conversation. So 
that that isn't so alluring. Mm -hmm. So just to put that into perspective, this is the truth that we have. Let's share it. Amen. So with your own experience in mind, what you wish you would have been taught, what you wish you would have known, we have a thought experiment for you. We want you to close your eyes. Imagine a scene a few years down the road where you're sitting on the couch in the early morning sun, drinking your coffee, doing your devotions. You begin reflecting about your youngest child who is now married and just returned from their honeymoon. They're living married life with their spouse. And your other children are also married and maybe some with children of their own. And you just smile in delight knowing that you've trained them up in the way they should go. You remember conversation after conversation with your children as they asked questions about marriage, dating, love, sex, and God's purpose for it all. You weren't perfect, but you were intentional about answering their questions, opening the door for comfortable conversations, and becoming their confidant, their friend. In fact, your older children still feel comfortable asking questions to you as they grow in their marriage, and you feel confident that your child who just got married is enjoying the beauty of God's precious gift while also feeling aware and equipped for frustrations that might come. You've launched them into adulthood, and you've launched them well. You've trained, you were thoughtful, you were present, you were askable. And now ask yourself, what did that launch pad look like? What did you cover really well with your kids around sexuality? What did you encourage? Did you give them a voice? Were you a sounding board for their concerns, questions, and reflections? How are they equipped to watch out for common pitfalls that may face, they may face in their own marriage and family? How did hard emotions get handled? What does your relationship with them look like? Is there peace? And with this scene as your guide, go ahead and come back into the room. You guys have some blank space there on a sheet called the launch pad. And we want you to jot down some notes, some reflections that came to mind. What does that launch pad look like for your family, the family that you're creating and parenting right now? What are some standards that you're gonna set what are some guiding principles? So we're gonna give you a few moments, we're gonna turn on the music, and go ahead and jot those things down. You can talk with your spouse.
Okay, if you turn that off real quick. So I just want to jump in here uh, to tell you how we kind of found our launch pad, uh, Sister Bradford and I. We went over to Las Vegas with us, some couples at a weekend to remember. It was like a marriage deal. And it, it was... It wasn't apostolic, but it was really good. We enjoyed it. But while we were perusing through the resources, we came across this book on sexuality that broke it down into age appropriate. So like from three to six, there was one book. Six to nine, there was another book. Nine to 12, there was another book. 12 to 15, and then 15 up. And so during those stages, that's, that's when we had the book. We read the book, we had the talk, but it was, it was through a book. So we had the resource. We stumbled on that. I mean, we, I don't know what you all put on your launch pad. We're gonna be uh, proactive and okay, all of that's good, but where, how, where do you get the resources to do that? And that's what the challenge is. We stumbled on that. It worked very, very well for us because in each of those age-specific ranges, we were able to communicate that, uh, but it was not an apostolic resource, it was just uh, some author. They've put together a card deck. It's $34, okay, it's an apostolic resource, and they're not, they're not gonna promote this, so that's why I'm promoting it. This is a gold mine, right? If what we're discussing is important, this is a gold mine, because it gives you the resource. And it's not just talking about sexuality, but it, it talks about identity, anatomy, hygiene and health. You need to put some deodorant on, it's good. Um, puberty and physical development, reproductive and, uh, and reproduction and conception, birth, purity, boundaries, dating, celebration of sex, marriage, general communication, social, emotional development, when things don't go as God planned. That's all built into the card deck for conversations. So we're like, I just opened it up and grabbed a couple cards that were really cool. So if, if it's the caterpillar side, it's the younger version. So if someone other than your parents or doctor touched your penis vagina, what would you do? That's a great question for younger age. They, they have to know what a penis and a vagina is before you can ask them. That. You're really gonna confuse them. But then on the other side, <laughs> on the other side is the butterfly, and that's for the older version, would be if someone ever made you feel uncomfortable through their words or touch, what would you do? So that's, I mean, that's a really good conversation. Here's another one. Um, have you ever, this is Caterpillar. Have you ever told someone that you think they're cute? And the butterfly for the older is what's an appropriate way to show someone that you like them? You put, do you like me, yes or no? <laughs> so I'm promoting this. This is fantastic, awesome, and every parent should have this to utilize this. They're not going to say that, but I'm saying it. So we need to give them a hand for having the foresight and to put something like that together. Awesome. Take credit cards, cash, whatever you got. Uh, I'm not going to exchange shoes or anything like that. Thank you, Brother Radford. Any questions? I guess we're...
promoting the product. Any questions regarding the product? Okay. Anybody have it already? Anyone have having the talks? It's in your cart. Nice. Cool. <laughs> Great. Well, once you have it for a while, we'd love to hear your feedback too, because we are developing other resources um, that stem from the deck. So Karina, as I told you, she has a, an education background and she's creating a sex ed curriculum. And she's actually teaching the curriculum to our students at our, our church school. And so started last year and doing it, actually next week you start sex ed again. And um, so there, there will be a full-blown curriculum and then we're creating a parent guide both for younger and older children that will correspond to the question numbers in the deck. So we'd love your feedback on um, how you're using them and what should go in the parent guide and the curriculum. Just so you know, um, you could sign up for Chris's, she has an email that goes out cataloging Forest stories <laughs> and Adeline's stories um, and just our responses to stuff and and responses maybe for an older child. It's really good, it covers every single number in this thing. So, and we're just going, over time we'll get all of them. But just to keep this on your mind, it's free newsletter. You might, you don't even have to have the deck. Um, we'll show you the QR code later. You can go to the website, sign up for the newsletter, and you can get it every you know week or so. Um, it's really good. Matt, you had a question? Yeah, so um, it is, uh, like I said, it's a work in progress right now. And um, when I teach sex ed at school, that's um, for seventh graders. Um, the year prior, we did it actually for all our middle and high schoolers just to make sure, because it was um, the first year we had did it, and just to make sure that they got this education from an apostolic viewpoint. Um, because we, like I said before, we do start with image and identity, which is really cool because, um, you know, I taught sex ed actually in the public school system as well, because I'm a biology teacher. And um, so I obviously had had that experience, but it was really cool to be able to start where it matters, right? And so um, going back to your question though, um, I'm going to, I'm working on taking what I have for that, that middle school age, but kind of um, tweaking it to start with younger children. Um, also working through the card deck. Um, so the questions that are in the card deck, we'd like to kind of um, mirror that within the curriculum and address some of those questions um, in the curriculum. So um, we're kind of taking it over, um, you know, it's, you're the parent, so it's really when you wanna start, but I would say definitely as early as, you know, age three, four, as soon as they can start doing activities, um, and then all the way up to middle and high school age. And it's yeah. full of fun activities. She actually oh, yeah. um, did one of the activities for our Moms with Babes group, and it was um, for, moms with babes, and she uh, pulled from the curriculum from card number one, which is about identity. Um, who are you? Who am I? And she did a whole activity with these jars and with, you know, notes, sticky notes, and, and that's part of the curriculum. So it's, it's hands-on. It's not just teaching them. It's training them and doing activities and question and answer with prompts. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Visuals and um, things like that that you would... Typically, you would you would want to have in a sex ed curriculum, but also just really cool being able to start with my identities in Christ. Yeah. It is like a card game. Yep. 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 
Exactly. Yeah, and we've used it like that. We have it on our coffee <laughs> table, and so we've just pulled out cards at random. We've also had some in the car, and so it really, here's the thing, you guys. Um, your kids, they really are curious. And even when we think they're not, because, you know, like Carissa mentioned earlier, I was not seen as being the more curious child. She was just loud in asking her questions, right? <laughs> and maybe I had the questions, but I just didn't, I was not as bold as her, right? And not because my, my mom created that space for us, right? So she was an askable parent. And so it wasn't that she didn't create that space, but it was just our personality. And I was not as bold in asking those questions. But I, I'm telling you, your kids are curious. And so having taught you know, um, sex ed in the public school system and now in the private school system, one thing is the same across the board, and that is that kids have questions. Without a shadow of a doubt, they have questions. And so with this card deck, you know, it sparks them and allows them to ask their questions and create the environment for them to be able to do that. As we tested all the cards, we um, got all the feedback from the parents. We had to come back and we shot videos of them like, hey, what happened? Tons of people said, yeah, like, we did not know they knew so much. And they were so curious and they were so thankful. And oftentimes the parents were like, the kids kept reminding us, hey, are we gonna do the game today? Because they call it a game, the kids did. Yeah. Are we gonna do the game? Which is awesome because it brings you into something that you guys can have a conversation and, and it's very needed. So it was funny because it was awkward for the parents, but it was exciting for the kids. It was a game. Like they're like, they don't know the difference. They're just getting their answers. So it's, there's less of a barrier there than you may realize. Um, just to go back to use a clinical term, let's process. Um, did anything surprise you as you were looking at your launch pad, you know, what you wrote out just a little bit ago? Did anything surprise you or was it consoling to see what you both wrote on that paper? Let us get your, I want to hear your feedback on what you wrote on, the, on your paper. Well, I know before we started tonight, me and my wife were talking about how having the talk, sometimes it's like, oh, the boy talks to the boy, you know, and the girl to the girl. But I was like, maybe it's better to we just talk together as parents to each child. And so we kind of talked about putting that down. So I like it. And as opportunities arise, you know what's funny is you, as you look for them, there's a funny thing called the reticular activating system. You know, if you're looking for that red sock in the laundry, what do you start seeing? red, right? You're like, okay, where are they? If you start looking for opportunities to disciple your kids, and honestly, discipling happens everywhere, and not just in sexuality, but in identity and the Bible, biblical values. If we're looking for opportunities, we'll find them. So yes, you don't have to just be together. You could be with your kids by yourself. Whatever the, a great opportunity arises, hit it and ask good questions. Kids love hearing themselves talk. <laughs> and then you can answer. Wow.
Yes. Right. It doesn't have to be weird. You know? And, and what would, like, doesn't that give you so much, like, confidence now that you had that going into discipling in this even crazier age? You can do it. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's a great feedback. Because that's rare, actually. It's really rare. Anyone else had, had some feedback? What does your launch pad yeah. look like? Anybody else want to share? Yes. Here, I'm, I'm going to run it back here. Yeah, you project so well. <laughs> um, for me, just being a single parent, I think um, I'm like what he was saying, scared to talk about certain things that come from a man's perspective. I feel like I can't talk about that with my son. And he's eight, and literally he's a question master. There's no question he doesn't have in his mind, and he wants to know everything. So um, I just want to make sure I ask for knowledge. Don't be afraid. and to get it and my mom she actually went through something um, as a young child so she was afraid to talk about sex or body parts or anything so I had no knowledge and I went elsewhere looking for it and I wish I would have had that knowledge so I want to make sure I give that to my kids and then don't be afraid to talk to my son. Amen. Yeah. Love that. Love what you're adding to your launch pad. And there is, there's a lot of fear around this because it's like, what if I mess up? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't know? So there is a lot of fear. And Adam, you have a little exercise about fear, correct? Yes. Well, there's, a long time ago, I heard um, Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a pretty famous uh, uh, podcaster and personality. But he talks about goal setting. So we kind of wrote, wrote goals there. And he actually did an exercise called fear setting that I thought was so brilliant. And he turns it on his head. Instead of asking, like, hey, what do we want to achieve? Well, we're good at that. But asking, hey, what are the fears holding us back from this? And that's actually one of those fears. What are the fears holding, like what we heard, saying, I'm afraid of saying too much. What would be, what would be an answer for that? Could we tell them too much? It's not clear cut, is it? I'll tell you one thing, though. I've never heard anyone in my 12 years of being a therapist and in ministry, never heard someone say, I wish my parents did not teach me about sexuality at an early age. Is it possible to overexpose? I mean, perhaps, yeah, and especially if you don't use wisdom. But if you have fear, most likely, guys, you're not going to overexpose. Not gonna we're going to err on that side. We're going to err on the under underexposure side. Yeah. Yes. Especially if you're using biblical, you know, aspects, you're not going to overdo it. If you're getting God's word and tell them to correctly, you're not going to mislead. And we're the source. <laughs> Thank God for a truth. We can be that source, and we don't have to be afraid of it. This is the way, you know, okay, this is my own, like, philosophical ramblings. Um, but it's only been in the last, 
what century that millions of people live in a closely dense, like away from agriculture, away from farming, away from seeding, like putting seeds in the ground and watching horses mate. It probably wasn't a big shocker for a lot of the kids 100 years ago of how life was created. They see it everywhere. Dogs do that. Cats do that. Cows do that. Humans do. There's probably an easily, it, it makes sense. But now we have kids that, you know, we get our food and our meat from the freezer at Costco. And so there's no, there's no, um, there's nothing leading them into that knowledge. So there is a big shocker. And then we have pornography and like, oh my word, what's going on? Right? So I think it's, it's good for us to see, hey, our world has changed. And I don't think there's any reason for us to be ashamed of the way God has created us to procreate, which was the commandment in the Bible. So to do this well and to show them the ditches on either side of this road, I think we have to begin overcoming fear and really stepping into this with authority. Like, we are the authority in our kids' life. We are. And we're tasked to train them. And we encourage you guys to, and I, you have a page on that in your handout, we encourage you to really think about those fears, to think about those barriers that would prevent you from your launch pad and the goals that you have set. Um, one thing that Curtis and I just talked about that I think would be a barrier um, that would prevent us from, you know, being intentional is that we, time, right? We get so busy. I, there's nobody in this room that's like, yeah, I'm not busy. No, right? We're busy people. And so we can, if, if we're not careful, we can get into the cycle of just, we go here on this night and then we do this and then we got to make dinner and then, Right? And you miss those opportunities to disciple your children. And so what it takes is being aware of that. And so what, what we just said was, we gotta set aside time, right? We set aside time for the important things, things that matter to us. We, like Chris and Adam would encourage, we set aside time for date nights, right? And so you have to set aside time to disciple your children. And maybe it's like, okay, on Friday night, we're going to do 30 minutes of the having the talks card game. Or, you know, maybe we're going to go to Leatherby's and we're going to talk about, you know, what you learned at school this week. And so you have to be intentional about scheduling even time with your children. That was just something that we talked about. But any other barriers that you can think of right now that would prevent you from having or setting these goals and, and completing these goals. Which is page four. Sorry. Oh, yes. Yes. Right. Good. Um, pride is, is key, and I think where pride gets in the way the most is when a parent of an older child or teen hears a paradigm shift around sexuality discipleship, and they say, I want to do it differently. 
but I think that because I've already done it this way for so many years, I can't, I can't interrupt that because I'd have to apologize and I'd have to tell my kids that we're doing it differently and I'd have to admit that I did it wrong or that I could do it better. And so pride, I think, could get in the way there especially. Yeah. But it's not too late. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You want to run a mic? You guys are loud. Oh, okay. Here. So one of the things that crossed my mind was um, the chance of having to re-educate them correctly, like thinking about, did we miss it? it? Did they already get exposed? Did they already have toxic thoughts towards certain things? Um, and so the fear of missing the boat on certain things. Yeah, that fear can get in the way, and that can kind of um, immobilize you. Like, oh, if, if I'm fearful of if they've already been exposed, I don't want to know that. So I'm not going to ask that because I'm scared of what they might say. That could get in the way. You have to accept it first that they may be exposed already, and that's probably the first step. If you feel like, oh, my kids are older and I, and I missed that opportunity, you first have to accept that it's highly possible that, yeah, they have already heard these things, but it's never too late. That's right. right. Yeah, you got to address it. So you got to get to the, what have you learned, right? And then it goes back to asking those questions. People are watching online and said they can't hear. So we got to make sure you're all in the mic, okay? Uh, one uh, big uh, barrier is having a spouse with uh, different values or more like uh, worldly views, you know, and, and as this is, be, you know, somewhat new to us, but still having that mentality. That's so good. That is really good. You know what? You know, you being proactive sets the tone. And you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Good. We were just talking to someone last night about this, that yes, they might have an influence that contradicts your perspective and your worldview that you're trying to impart, um, but that doesn't mean you ought not to. That means even more so you ought to impart that worldview, and it doesn't mean you have to bad t trash talk the other spouse, especially if they're separated and, you know, definitely don't get into all that, um, but you speak the truth louder than the world or the other spouse is speaking the lies. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it does. If you're the more askable parent, you'll be the source. Yeah. yeah. Amen. In Jesus' name. <laughs> I love that. Any other, any other fears? I feel like mine personally is more of like a personality difference between my type of, I've been open from the beginning trying to shield from things I wasn't gonna shield from. Whereas my daughter is very to herself and quiet. So I feel like I don't wanna come on too strong and her immediately shut down. So where is that open door of knowing? It has to be addressed, it has to be talked about, but still respecting her way of going about That's it. That's super good. Yeah. Karina. I think you'll have a good answer for that. <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, you know, it comes, it comes back to being open, right, for when she is ready and not um, making it scary, right? And so if, you, if she knows 
she can come to you about anything. It could be like, how should I do my hair, right? Um, and you have created that atmosphere, then she will start coming to you about those things as well. And, and being intentional about asking the questions even when she's not asking them, right? But making it not a scary thing. So for example, making it a game with, with the card decks, um, or just simple questions in the car on the, on the way home from school, things like just not making it scary, which by the way, there's science behind side-by-side um, -side conversation. Um, and so the car rides truly are a great um, uh, place to have these conversations because they don't feel as vulnerable as when you're face-to-face -face and you're like, hey, so what did you learn at school today, right? And so you and your side-by-side, they feel more comfortable sharing and there's, there's a lot of science behind that. But I think really it's creating that environment, the safe environment for all questions, right? And, and I know that can be scary, but I think what we have to do is think about it as for us, we have to think about it as not scary, and it seems like that's probably difficult, especially given you know the way that your your background and the way that it was approached with you. Um, and so, if we can change our frame of mind there, um, then that will project also. All right, we're going to transition into some practice. All right, we're also going to give you a chance to ask some anonymous questions tonight. Um, but first, we're going to just do a couple of, of role plays and practice. So we shared some funny conversations we've had with our kiddos, with you. And now is your opportunity to come up with hypothetical or real scenarios. <laughs> you don't where... have to tell us which one it is, real or hypothetical. <laughs> do you guys want some more stories? <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear your stories. Yes. So does anybody have a story, something funny um, that made you chuckle, that your kids said, did, and you were like, you may have responded, you may not have responded, uh, but share with us, what are your stories? I've been trying to be open and honest with my son, and um, one time he goes, Mom, can I see your baby hole? <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. That's so good. But you know what? He knew you had a baby hole. And that's great. Seriously. Uh, a lot of people don't, even right. into adulthood and into marriage. That's a true story. My word. Okay, I just have to share this. Okay. Okay, so we recently heard a story that, um, you know, the, there was a, uh, what do you call the famous people on social media? Influencers. Okay. So influencer that was put out a survey, you know, um, because they're also trying to raise awareness and, and celebration around sex within the covenant of marriage. And um, they were like, so how do, do you have the talk? Or um, did you have the talk? Kind of similar to the question that we put up here. And somebody shared a story. And their story was that they did not know that there was a baby hole aka vagina, and that they were not having intercourse to where you could conceive. And what's sad actually is that they were trying to conceive for several years and could not because they simply did not know the anatomy and the mechanics behind conceiving. Yeah. So they went to the doctor. Yes, and for, shared this. Yeah, for um, fertility. Yeah. And the doctor asked some general questions and realized they weren't even having intercourse. Yeah, so then that story got posted. Guess what? Tons of people responded to that story saying, that was the same thing for me. Tons of people. Yeah. But this was not just one anomaly. Yeah. Here's the other thing that we're not talking about. So we work a lot with people having issues in their sexual life. 
Um, a huge issue that we don't talk about a lot is called vaginismus. When a woman can't, she, it's painful to have sex. And oftentimes it's psychosomatic. It's what's happening in her brain that she's closing up with anxiety. And um, so a lot of times that's from a lifetime of sex is bad, sex is bad, honeymoon hits, sex is good. And oftentimes people can't make that huge leap in their minds. They feel like they're doing something bad and dirty. So it all stops. It, it's painful. And then because it's painful, then it really becomes difficult for a lot of people. So I'm just giving you like what happened can happen down the road. And probably with the room this size, that's probably happened for some of you. So more common than erectile dysfunction. So just make bringing awareness to this could happen. This is a good thing from God, but if we keep it in our mind as bad, that's another thing that another came risk. to my mind that's connected to that. Yeah, and it, do you feel comfortable sharing how you responded? <laughs> <laughs> sure. How old is, is your son? He's six, okay. And so um, you know, did he say, can I see or where is it? You want to see, yeah, okay, and, that, and that's a boundary, right? And so um, this is where we have to kind of truly, you know, validate the question and the curiosity behind him asking you that. And so you might say, oh, I, it sounds like you're curious about where babies come from or, or you know, how they come out of mommy's body, body. And so I would respond with sharing, and maybe you already have, right, um, how a baby comes out of, and, and obviously, um, you don't have to show, right? You can set that boundary and say that's a private area. Draw a diagram. And you can draw a diagram, yeah. Yes, yeah, you could use a doll. Mm -hmm. yeah. You could point to the area, right? Um, but I would still validate the curiosity, right? Oh, you're curious about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and then um, you don't even have to say, I'm not going to show you, but you just address the question in a different way. And then that satisfies his curiosity. Right, and so you didn't shut them down completely, um, but you also kept the the boundary of privacy. So yeah, recognize curiosity, thankful for the question, because remember, every single time you react well, it opens the door for more questions and more openness. Every single question is a gem because it gives us a link to the next question. Then we then we close the conversation almost always with a boundary, but this is where we talk about this, or this is proper, or this is why we don't do this thing. So it's always a blessing, God's gift, connected to the Bible, validation, please it come with more questions. This is what it looks like. Here's where we keep this confined. This is why it's beautiful. This is for your marriage later on. Like all these things we start to show, the context and really, it's a really great moment for, um, and this question specifically, for them to learn boundaries with other people as well. And so you might bring up the fact that you don't ever ask about other people's private parts as well. You know? And so it's a, it's a really good teaching moment. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that one. Anything else from this list? Something embarrassing in public or a surprising question about anatomy? Can't wait for this one. <laughs> the embarrassing in public one um i had to take my son to the restroom and so he was in there doing his thing 
and the, the door was closed, and a few people had entered, and my son says, Dad, I need your help. Can you come in here and help me wipe? I'm like, oh, great. So I'm, I go, sure, son. So I go in there. I'm trying to help him out, and he's like, wow, Dad, you're a great wiper. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Thank you, son. And then the guy next was like, kids say the darndest things. <laughs> That's cute. I love it. I like how you responded, though, because you could have responded by saying, okay, okay, stop, be quiet, shh, shh, you know, like, because you're embarrassed, but instead, you just validated him, thank you, son, you know, what a compliment. So oftentimes, we get hilarious stories from our family, from what, like, one of our kids says, tell about Forrest. A couple of months ago, Forrest is uh, on the way home with my dad, my dad had picked him up from school, and they were, they were headed to to my dad, my parents' house, and, and uh, he said, I got to go potty, granddad. I, I got to go potty. got to go potty. And he's like, okay, we're almost there. We're almost, we're almost to the house. And he's like, okay, I got to go right now. He's like, no, Forrest, you can wait. You can wait. We're almost there. He says, I can't wait. My pee's running down my scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a great moment for him to learn that his pee was not running down his scrotum. And really what is happening and where these parts are and, and the function, or not the function, but, you know, just teaching more about, about body parts and anatomy. Yep. Any other stories that we can do some reaction practice on? This will be our last one before we open for Q&A. So my son, um, at three years old, was taking off his pull-up. He had just woken up, and he was just waking up. And so he <laughs> asked me, Daddy, why is my pee-pee hard? <laughs> and I had to respond, well, sometimes our blood is flowing in our body, and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's soft. And that was good. my answer at that time. Very good. That's perfect. So good. Because it normalizes, hey, this is a natural thing that happens in guys' bodies. That's in the Love having it. the talks deck, by the way. So question, you guys, we get that question, I would say at least a few times a month, like in a DM on Instagram from strangers that we don't even know, because we don't talk about it, especially at church, God forbid. But man, you, if you have a boy, you're, you're dealing with this and your son's going to ask you. And if you go, oh my word, I can't believe you asked me that, or you laugh or you get angry or you're embarrassed and shut down, who are they going to go to? This is a pattern of questioning, right? Yeah. Well, reaction practice. Are we making you guys nervous yet? Um, so, uh, actually, it's science that in gestation, boys actually touch their privates to self-soothe. And boys, if you have boys, will touch themselves just in as infants. They don't know what they're doing. I've seen parents freak out when that happens. Like, oh, 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 what, what are we teaching them? It's dirty, shameful. How dare you? How gross? You should feel nasty that you're doing that, right? They don't have any negative feelings toward that. It actually feels good. So then it's confusing. Like, why are you freaking out? Why are you scared of what I'm doing? And I'm not saying to encourage that. I'm just saying, hey, give them a conversation and, and, don't freak out because what they're doing is freaking you out. Oh, my word. Whoa. You know, like there's a lot of fear there that can be created and shame. 
So just so as you're thinking about this, think about your own reactions in different situations. Because we, we, we want to be the source. It's all about being safe for our kids and showing up when they have questions and not making any of this. Our bodies are not scary. They're a gift from God. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's totally okay for you to, to recognize the fact that, because for me and, and like the sciencey part of me, I'm like, no, there are germs on your hands, and now they're on your private parts, and that can cause infection, and I, that's how I've addressed it with my daughter especially with girls, it's, they're more prone to that, right? And so I've told her, you know, like, hey, you don't want to touch your, your vagina because there are germs on your hands and now they're there and that can cause an infection, right? And so now let's go wash our hands. And, and so you just be open and honest with them. And instead of being angry or like super embarrassed, right? And you got to practice those things, right? And so I think that was a point too that I want to bring up is it's okay if you in the moment don't know what to do right? Because we all come, we come to that. We are not perfect. We don't know what to do in moments, right? And so there may be an I don't know, or maybe you react a certain way, and then later you realize, oh man, I shouldn't have reacted that way. That was a good teachable moment. You can come back to that. Later on, you're at home, right? Hey, earlier, remember when this happened and mommy said this? Well, I just want to let you know that that's not, you know, and you come back to it, and they'll appreciate that. Right, and so it's okay to, to have your I don't knows, and you can tell them, like if they come, an older kid comes to you with a question that you truly don't know, right? Because there are a lot of words now that mean things that we know, but we don't know the word, right? There's a lot of vocabulary out there. So maybe your older teen comes to you with a question, and you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about, right? And so it's okay for you to be like, hey, yeah, I don't, you know what? I'm not really sure about that, but I'm going to talk to your dad about that. I'm going to talk to your mom about that. We're going to figure it out, and then let's talk about this tonight, right? And so it's totally okay to have an I don't know. That's valid. And that's the last question on that page is, what does your I don't know look like? Have you practiced your I don't know? Have you never done it? I don't know. <laughs> you will have moments where you don't know. Or at least you don't know how to approach it, even if you know the answer. So what does that look like? That was a good example of it. Yeah. I really like that one. So we want to open. We're getting really close to nine, and we value your time. We'll never try to, like, you know, steal your time. Uh, but we want to answer the questions. If you guys have questions, we're really afraid of questions. Um, just joking. <laughs> but if you do have questions, you can anonymously text this in. Scan the QR code. Scan the QR you'll code. submit your question. And you could submit a question. And then what we could do is see it over here, because there are probably people going, if I ask this question, everybody's going to look at me really weird. Or maybe it's specific to your child, and everybody knows your child, and you just simply don't want, to, don't want everybody to know the questions that your kid is asking, and that's okay, too. That's so. the proper answer, yeah. Okay, so we're actually going to hand this off to the Bradfords, and as your questions come in, they can let us know what those questions are. And of course, you're welcome to raise your hand and ask a question if it's something that you're, you're wanting to share, um, you don't care about the survey. Okay. Does anybody have questions? Yeah, let's do it. So um, I have a daughter that um, she has a mom that's with 
another mom. Um, and, you know, I want to teach her that, you know, what the Bible says, right? Uh, it's not that I hate her mom because the world right now is, teach, it's, is telling them that if you go against that agenda, that's hate. You're, you're teaching hate, which is not true um, at all. But um, how, do, how would I navigate through that? Because the world's agenda is, yeah, you're, you're, you're teaching hate. That's hate. But I don't hate her mom or, or the person she's with. I actually like them. They're really nice people. But, um, but God's nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we're addressing same-sex attraction, and especially when we're addressing it in the context of family and close friends, we always want to be loving, and we want to be full of grace and full of truth. Some people err on the side of truth, and they speak the truth with boldness and hellfire and brimstone at the expense of grace. Some people show a lot of grace and all the approval at the expense of truth. But Christ was both, full of grace and full of truth. And so with that mindset, you approach the conversations. And you can say what you just said, I really like your mom's partner. She's a really cool girl, I, and I like your mom. You know, they, they have a lot to offer, and mommy's done this, this, and that for you, and whatever, I don't know the exact you know, situation for you. So the grace part. I love them as people. And the truth is that marriage is between a man and a woman. And this is what God's word says. This is how society moves forward and flourishes. And even though they're doing that, we love them. We love them. We're never going to be mean to them because of the choices. It's like any other sin or someone walking in a lifestyle that's not pleasing to the Lord. Right? So you're full of grace and you're full of truth. Yeah. Is that helpful? Okay. Rapid fire questions? Go ahead. All right. What if your spouse is not comfortable having these conversations? Super common. You got to get on the same page. So it doesn't mean that if your spouse doesn't want to have the conversations that you just default to not having the conversations as the opportunities arise, you still address those with your kids. But absolutely beneficial. Your, your kids are going to be set up for much more success if you and your spouse can get on the same page. Go out for a date night, review this material, read a book. There's a book called God Loves Sex. Um, there's, you know, the, the material we're doing. Celebration of sex. Celebration really... of sex. Talk yep. to your pastor. <laughs> there you go. You know? Okay, how do you respond to family that react to the way you're raising your child that totally undermines what you're trying to do? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, my mom was really good about this, and she would always, we, we, we call them debriefs. Um, you know, so it's um, on the way home from being with that particular family, and she'd be like, she would, kind of similar to what Carissa just said, always validate the person. Like, we love aunt so-and-so so much, right? And they're so much fun and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? They do things a little bit different than us, right? And, and that's okay. Um, and, and so, um, you, you know, you, you say that that's their choice. And mommy and daddy, we're choosing to do this, and this is how we're living. And you, you just say it straightforward like that, right? And so you're not 
you're not um, showing disrespect to the person, but you're making it clear that their lifestyle and our lifestyle is different. And we love them and we have fun with them and we're gonna hang out with them, but we just make different choices. And it's funny, this person that we all know we're talking about has come um, in the last few years and said, hey, thank you so much for setting that example. I wish I would have done it differently. So time shows. It's also okay to set boundaries with family members. So you can go to a family member and say, full of grace and truth, I love you. I love you so much. And I know that you're doing it this way. It might even be a parent because sometimes our parents have done things differently than how we're going to do them. So you might have to set a boundary with a parent and say, you did it this way and you did the best you could with the tools you had. And I'm not trying to discount the way you did it, but we're doing it differently. And I ask that you honor that. What if kids get caught playing together with their pants down? Good. Yeah. Um, I think that first the way we, we want to ask ourselves is did, how did this happen, right? So first we want to think about the opportunities in which this could happen. And so um, I want to caution everyone that when kids are together and they're playing together that there are not closed doors, right? You have open doors. Um, and that way you can hear conversations um, and you can see what's going on. And so first we wanna try to prevent this from happening, right? Um, and then secondly, think it's just gonna happen sometimes. We can't prevent it, right? And we could do just like, you know, the with, with, with what's happening in schools, we can do all that we can to try to prevent it, but it's not. And so when it's not prevented, if you've created the environment um, where your kid can come to you and tell you what, what has happened, that's what you want to do. You want to create that environment. You want to be that askable parent or that tellable parent, right? And so that they know, and if you've set them up for success with them knowing their boundaries and you've, um, you know, you've asked them the question, like, how, what, how do we, um, what's a boundary that we set with other people? You know, what are body parts that we don't touch? What are body parts that nobody should touch on you, right? And if you've set that up and you've made it clear in their minds, then they will know that when that boundary has been crossed, I'm gonna go to mom and dad. And so when they do come to you, depending on who it is, family, if it's you know, people in the church, right? Again, we always approach it with grace and truth. And so you, I would caution you to be open and honest with the other parents of that child, let them know what happened, and, and work through it together to try to prevent in the future. And also let your child know that what happened was not okay, that they're not in trouble that it happened, right? Um, because kids are gonna be kids and they're exploring, right? and depending on age as well, of course. Um, but if you tell them, I can't believe you did that. That was horrible, that is so wrong. You're in trouble, you're grounded, you know. Um, but if you, if you first praise them for coming to you with this information, then that will validate them for coming to you the next time something may happen. And so that first and, former, for, first and foremost is what needs to happen. Anything else you wanna add? Validate the context too. Um, just today, the kids were playing upstairs in the apartment and um, they were playing ambulance. And so the ambulance came and the you know, medical worker was coming to help the other child. And so they were say they're saying, take off your shirt. And so we heard that because we had the door open and we went in and said, we're not gonna take off our shirts, but we know you're playing ambulance and you're having a lot of fun and you can still play ambulance. Why don't you fix his arm? Why don't you help her foot? But we're not taking off our shirts, right? So validate the context. You're having fun playing ambulance and that's okay. We're honestly, we're constantly doing that, like setting boundaries, setting boundaries, talking about when it's proper to show those things and, and to whom. Like, so we're, very, we're, we're constantly doing it because kids will be kids and kids will explore. Yes, Brother Brock. 
question. With boys, it was easy. We come home, and we're in our suit and tie all day or whatever. We get out of those clothes. And so the boys together, it's fine. We could be in our shorts and T-shirt. But with my daughter, it's a little different. So now her, what I'm trying to teach her is, is privacy, you know, and to respect herself and others. And she's 10, and she's comfortable with us, and we have these conversations with her. But um, in my home growing up, we, we, were very, uh, we, we were very private. We didn't have anybody running around unclothed. She's not unclothed, but she is growing. And now I'm in the restroom or in, in the shower, and she barges in. So I'm embarrassed. She's not. I wish she was. Most people would be, but not my daughter. My middle son, he's, he's very private, and he'll let her know. Um, how, my question is, is, what is the best way and the appropriate way, and is it appropriate to start having that discussion? Like, listen, this is why we do this. How would you approach that is my question. How would you teach your children the proper dress in the home? Very good. Yeah. And every family culture will have a different standard of proper dress in the home. You know, some, some families are going to be much more clothed than others, but every family ought to have a standard of privacy, especially when there's mixed genders, like you said. Sometimes it's going to be situation specific where you're responding because something happened like that, where they walked in and you were like, whoa, whoa, hey, I'm taking a shower. And so then you have to debrief. So you later come back and you say, hey, remember when daddy was in the shower and you came in and I was kind of like embarrassed and I, I said, oh, shut the door, go out, I'm in the shower. Let's talk about that and then ask them the question, why do you think that daddy got all embarrassed? So then you, you're letting them know their voice matters. They probably have some thoughts already around this. Find out where they are so you have a starting point. Then you can fill in the blanks. Yeah. How do you respond to a kiddo walking in on a wrestling match in the bedroom? That was a great question. Whoever sent that one in. Huh? Debrief. 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 I don't remember which one. Shut the door. So, obviously, you're going to have a reaction in the moment, and that's okay. That's normal. <laughs> kind of like the shower situation. It's right? more of surprise. Yeah. <laughs> the door wasn't locked. That was your duty. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, when you're debriefing, hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about what happened earlier today or last night. Remember when, when you walked in and mommy and daddy were in the bed together and I, I want to find out first, what was it that you saw? That's okay. No, that's scary. They're going to tell you an answer that you may not want to hear, but you want to know what they saw because you could go into this long dissertation and they may have just seen like bumps in the covers. Have you guys ever watched the, um, the kid who comes, it's a video, the kid who walks up to his mom and says, mom, what is a virgin? What does virgin mean? And so, so the mom goes, she's cooking in the kitchen, and then she goes into a long diatribe of what a virgin is and explains everything. <laughs> everything sexual. And then she turns around and she's like, I did it. Wow, that wasn't so bad. I think I did it. I think I did a really good job. And then he's like, Mommy, what does extra virgin mean? And that shows and the it, picture of the oil. It pans <laughs> over to the, the extra version olive oil. And she goes, what did I just do? <laughs> and it's, it goes to show it's really helpful. So 
often we want to know, how much do you know about this? Because I don't want, a lot of you worry about sharing too much. A really good thing to do is start to feel, like, I feel comfortable going here. I want to know first, though, what do you know? So what did you see? And then you can, you can address what they saw. If they just saw, I just saw that you and daddy were under the covers and you looked kind of weird. Well, then you don't have a whole lot to explain. But if they did see you naked, you get to explain that mommies and daddies get to have naked private time together. And that's good. We, we should have locked the door, though, because it's private and it's not something that kids should see. And so I apologize that you walked in on us. You take the blame for that. Don't blame your kid for that. What happens, okay, rewind that. What happens if we leave that completely silent? Confusion, maybe scared, like they did not look happy. What if they thought somebody was hurt, hurting somebody else? There are so many things that the kid can walk away from. I think it, way more damage is going to happen if you don't share and your own worry than if you do like, open the door for like, okay, hey, let's talk a little bit about what happened. How much did you see? It's a good one. Okay, these two are together. I'm going to read them with the language. Um, so both of these are kind of connected, I think. If my seven-year-old is humping his hands over his pants, how can I address that? Can't really go down the wash your hands route because he's not directly touching. And how do I answer my boys when discussing why boys touching themselves feels good? So there's, those are both kind of connected. I would go the scientific <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, if they're not directly having their hands in their pants, then you're right, then it doesn't make sense to wash them because then, you know, whatever. But um, you could, I, I tend to also ask, like, hey, do you need to go potty? Right? Um, and, like, when we're in public and I don't want to have a full-blown conversation about it, right, I just ask them, hey, potty and you know no I'm like oh okay and that usually solves the problem in public right so that we're not having this whole dissertation in public but you know in private at home you might say hey you know I noticed that you were um, touching your private area a lot um, earlier and why didn't you know um, did that feel how did that feel tell me about it so you're again getting why are they doing that and maybe they were itching I don't know right so you gotta you gotta figure out what the problem is first not the problem or just figure out why they're doing it and so once you have some context, then you can approach it. So if it was a matter of, okay, they, something was itchy, then let's figure out why, right? Um, and if it's not, if that's, that it felt good, then you, again, you validate, yeah, I hear you, and, and that's normal, that does feel good. But then you, yeah, God made us that way, right? And then again, you set the boundary of how we don't um, touch our private areas in public, right? And, and anything else you want to add? Well, we don't. So remember that it's very natural for kids to have nocturnal emissions around, oh, I think it's like 11, 12, 13. Very, very, very common. I actually never talked to my parents about it, and it freaked me out because I didn't know what was happening. And I didn't for years even know what happened. So it's really difficult to go through bodily changes with no discipleship. Now I can simply type in a Google and figure out what happened. <laughs> and that's not going to be good, and they will now. So I think that as it gets older, we can start getting closer and closer to actually talking about what, why God made a penis and what it's for and what it can do, right? So, but remember, everything is age and stage. 
We have to disciple. And it may be very awkward, but God made this, you didn't. And we have to kind of usher them into this discussion. It does feel good. So we normally don't say, don't ever do that again. Well, because we know it's natural. Most kids are not going to know to touch themselves to ejaculation. They're not going to do that. Um, that takes training and outside involvement normally for them to do that. But they will have a nocturnal intermission. So you don't want, you want to be watching for that and take the opportunity to, to coach them in this. This is what it means. You're becoming a man. And that's in the card deck, by the way. Does that answer the question? It is, it is fairly like embarrassing to talk about, but it's only embarrassing because we didn't get this growing up. But boy, I wish I did. Because that caused so much confusion for me. And I hate to use this, but I felt very sexual, abandoned in my sexuality. I had no teachers. And I didn't have any close friends really to talk about. Only like outside friends I can. But it's weird to talk about friends and, and no like discipleship. And I didn't have Google growing up. Thankfully. So it would have been so helpful for my dad to tell me. Just to add on to that, too, is, um, you know, if you have kind of set the stage in younger years about talking about seeds and life, then that's a very natural conversation to go into. You know how seeds bring life? Well, in a man, that seed is called sperm. And the sperm is in that ejaculation. And so you just kind of talk to them about truly the science and what's happening. And that, that is what gives life, right? Yeah. It can't be divorced from that. Uh, we've been talking very openly for a while about the different things. We haven't like connected all the dots. You realize that. We're not talking about intercourse with forest. But we're starting to talk about seeds and we're and like things will make sense as he gets older. We will find the opportunities because they're all around us. But at that time, we'll make it we'll make it known. But it's not time yet. We don't know when it will be, but does that help guys? Cuz it's not it, it's not a at the age of 8 we share this. Eight years old, you can have a really wise eight-year-old, maybe an eight-year-old who's been abused and has no idea what just happened. That's going to be a different conversation from a kid that's super sheltered and has no questions. So we have to have a lot of wisdom with, as we're discipling their personal history, their curiosity, and, and the, the, all of the conversations leading up to that one. How do you approach a situation where your child has made a mistake when it comes to sexuality despite your training. So this goes back to last night's conversation about becoming an askable parent. And, you know, we've given this um, pattern of response in our advice quite a bit tonight, and that is asking them questions first. They know that what they did was wrong. They don't need you to come and say, the Bible says, and so, son, daughter, this was wrong. They know that. So why don't you ask them questions? Man, I really see that you're, you feel really embarrassed about what happened and the fact that I found out or, yeah, you seem, yeah, distraught or I know it can be really embarrassing that I found this sexting on your phone. That's what it is these days. You know, I found these pictures on your phone. I know you didn't want me to see those pictures. What's going on for you right now in your mind? Start, open the conversation. See how they're feeling. See what they're thinking. Are they wanting to continue these behaviors or do they realize, well, I messed up? So, so get a baseline first. Then let them know, right? Attunement. Hey, I'm here. We're going to get through this. Also, I, we're not there yet. 
but we've walked with people that have been here. And, and it's a very natural conversation to go into like, well, how did that make you feel to do that? It does feel amazing. That's true. To, to look at those images or to have sex, it, it, it does feel good. And then I help them feel seen. However, how are you feeling now about you know, the morality? Like, we can transition that very naturally into containment and to um, what are the boundaries? Why don't we do this before marriage? And this could be a very good discipleship because it doesn't need to go ongoing. But we do want to try to not, you know, remember that guilt is good. Guilt moves us to the cross. Guilt moves us to repentance. Repentance, that 180 turn. Guilt is a good thing. But guilt, when you keep it on your back, turns to shame. I'm a bad person. Remember, guilt says, I did a bad thing. Or I made a bad choice. Shame says, I'm a bad person because of it. It doesn't need to follow them for a long time. So that's the, the distinction I would make. We'd go pray, I would love them, and then we'd transition into, but this doesn't define you, here are the boundaries. Okay, last question, because I think the gym may be on fire. So um, Forest the fire. kids over there are they're forming a mutiny. Um, how do you tell children who is allowed to touch their body parts? Who is it okay with? Who is it not? Mom? dad, doctor, but what if they think it's okay with one of those people and they're being abused? How to know the difference? So it's not a question of just who, but it's also a question of the context, right? So even though we might say that mommy, daddy, or the doctor will touch your, your privates from time to time, you tell them how and why. So the doctor will only touch your privates if they ask permission from mommy and they're examining you. That's the only reason why a doctor can touch your privates. Otherwise, they can't. Um, and same with mommy and daddy. You know, we're only going to touch your privates if we're wiping you or we're helping you, yeah, giving you a bath and washing you. And now that you're getting older, you're going to start doing that yourself. We don't even need to touch your privates anymore because you're washing yourself. That means nobody's touching your privates until you're married, and then your spouse gets to touch your privates. We actually say that to our children. They think it's great. So, Just letting the cat out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, and they know that's the only person because they're old enough now. Forrest needs to be wiped sometimes, but other than that, we don't need to touch their privates anymore. They wash themselves, and so your spouse is the only one in the whole world who will ever get to touch your privates. So. You, you talk about it in context, not just the, the people, but the context. And you can ask them straight up. And I know it might be scary to hear the answer, and you might be afraid that you can get an answer you don't want. But you can say, has anyone else ever touched your privates? Ask them that. They're not going to make up the questions in the deck. Yeah. Um, and, you know, once they're, you're having this conversation, then they're old enough to understand um, what's comfortable and what's not comfortable, too. And so along with um, where and when and how these specific people can touch your private areas, then you might also say, but if there is ever a time when you feel uncomfortable, um, then you let mommy or daddy know, you know? This is good. You know that one in six has been sexually abused? I think it's one in six, right? One in six males, one in four females. There you go. This is not something that's just like, oh, it never happens except for two. Like, this is a very common thing. So we're just building awareness here and, and, and training our kids to come to us if that happens. 
Because we don't, it doesn't need to be a traumatic event. Remember, trauma only happens when we don't have a box to put that trauma in. When it's outside of a realm of, of, of understanding, it becomes trauma. So if we can help them understand it, box it, categorize it, and move forward, it doesn't have to affect them as deeply as if, you know, they can leave that wound open for a long time and it can get infected. So we can help close that wound. So... We love you guys. Remember that parenting is very intentional. And this may be a difficult conversation. Hopefully we didn't make you too um, nervous. But at least begin thinking about these issues. This is a huge thing just to be like, all right, we're changing everything tonight. It is a big thing to change overnight. Please think about it. Please pray about it. Watch the thing again. But... Talk to your pastor about it. See, maybe we crossed a line somewhere. But be prayerful about it and begin being an askable parent for your kids. I'll just add on to that. When you're the askable parent and there are no secrets, right? Secrets are the buffer to intimacy. That's not just your kids keeping secrets from you, but you not keeping secrets from your kids. And so when there's no secrets and you haven't left those dark spaces, then that launch pad is largely, not all, entirely, but largely in your hands. So it's up to you to become that askable parent and dictate the future of this launch pad. Amen. <laughs> Let's all stand. The Bradford asked that we have a closing prayer. Let's all pray. Jesus, thank you, God, for the truth. Thank you, God, for being so wonderful to create us and create such a beautiful world, God. God, I pray that you would give these parents wisdom and knowledge and help, God, in these difficult conversations, Jesus, and help us, Jesus, to be the guides for our kids, God, and give us the courage to answer and have answers, Jesus, in a world that's dying for answers, Jesus. I pray that you would give us guidance. In the name of Jesus, amen. We love you. You're dismissed. If you're interested in those cards, they're up here. You can come down here, check those out, uh, and, and get that resource. You can bring your pins back as well. You can take your handout with you.